citizens, welcome to the Fortress of Potitude. I'm Dave Michaels. And I'm Brian Betts. And this little show right here is called Beer Me a Movie. It's a show where me and Brian throw movies back and forth each week, whatever we want to kind of talk about, except for the last week. That's on you listeners. But if our super scientific score lines up with the critical score, the audience score on Rotten Tomatoes, we got to finish our drinks. Got to pound our bevies. You got to throw it down your fucking gullet. You have to. If you're a sipping, you're not meant for this show. It's not called Sip Me a Movie. So realistically, if you stick around to the end when we get our score, which is freakishly close most of the time. Weirdly so. Be prepared to be a team player. It's 2024. Get on board, motherfucker. <laughs> it's the year of joining in. It's the year of peer pressure. This is the year where it finally works. Time will tell. It's never gotten to me. All my peers have not pressured me enough. You know what? This year's not about peer pressure. It's about family pressure. Oh, Jesus. Already? Because we're, we're a that? family. We're not really. Not we're really. really not yet. We're really not. <laughs> we're in a weird place starting off because this week, our first episode of the new year, it was my pick. And I told Brian, you want to be a fun way to dive back in after we have a couple weeks off? The Fast and the Furious from 2001, directed by Rob fucking Cohen. You did not just give that man a fucking. I gave that man a fucking. Oh, okay. All right. Well, you know. Why wouldn't you? Do what you're going to do. There's a few reasons. I mean, there's a million reasons. I watched the movie too, Brian. There's so many reasons. You know, like, what are his two best movies? This and Triple X? Hey, he's a master of... Late 90s, early 2000s, rock and roll in movies. <laughs> He's the limp biscuit of 2000s directors. <laughs> God, where there's one scene in this. I think it's like the first race meetup, the, whatever it is. And he puts on what must have been. It wasn't even 2001. So it was like 1999's greatest hits. And he never even finished a single song of it. But he jumped three no. songs in this tiny montage. <laughs> I uh, also noticed that. It was very obvious. No, there's been some allegations against this man. He's not a great person, no! it turns out. Oh no. What happened? Yeah. What did he do? Well, his daughter claims that she was sexually abused by him. Yep, regarding everything. That's not a that's not never a good look. This is why you research directors before you give them the fucking. Just visit their Wikipedia page and decide if they deserve a fucking. I chose not to. I went, surely this guy couldn't have done anything else with his life. <laughs> Um, yeah no i was like what the hell else has this guy done and clicked on his name and immediately went like oh so that okay not great not great i regret everything uh we'll get there we'll get the director (laughs) do you want to dive right into this thing we might as well this is a movie that i i think i've seen before you think i think i have but then watching it i was like i don't remember it like this at all well, that's because we're going back 22 years, 23 years, whatever it is at this point, and oh God. we are not in the same place that we are now in this franchise. And that's I say fair. that having only watched trailers for movies three through 10. <laughs> I think I didn't really start getting invested until around five, so there's a good chance that I have not seen one through four or just three through four, um, two through four, who knows? I've seen some of them. That's got to count for something. I saw this thing in theaters back in the day. Well, look at you. What was the parking lot like afterwards? You know exactly what it was like afterwards. (laughs) (laughs) I, too, was a person in 2001. 
Hey, who wants to go sit outside my Ford Taurus listen to some Ramstein, huh? Huh? <laughs> Just really rev that engine to this new Ja Rule song. <laughs> Dude, ja Rule sounds like a, a dog squeaky toy that's got a hole in it. I just remember him being a larger man, but he wasn't. Why don't you read the synopsis, Brian? <laughs> I would love to, but we're doing things a little differently these days. Oh, we're sticking with the funsies. We've had writer Mick Strankly doing his own scripts for us for a minute here, Keaton Patty style. Proper bot scripts, if you will. And we have one for this movie, too. It's exciting stuff, buddy. Yeah, so I'm going to have you open up your script there. Uh, you'll be playing the part of <laughs> Big Bear, and I okay. will be Rubber Duck. Yep, the part we were both born to play, really. You ready? Ready as I'll ever be. Here we go. Here's our bot script. For the Fast and the Furious and action. Two truckers, Rubber Duck and Big Bear, are cruising down the highway in their big rigs, filled with electronics. They're chatting over their CB radios, sharing the wild tales they've heard from fellow road warriors. <laughs> breaker, breaker, Big Bear, you got your ears on good, buddy? Ten four, Rubber Duck, my ears are wide open. What's the word on the super slab? Just trucking with a load of these electronic gizmos. <laughs> but have you heard about that high-octane hullabaloo with the Fast and the Furious crew? <laughs> name the crew. <laughs> oh, they have a name now. God. Oh, the chatter's been all over the CB. I don't know what accent I'm committing to. Don't commit. <laughs> I haven't gotten there yet. I'm Big Bear. I gotta be Big Bear. I'm gonna go Daniel Day-Lewis on this. I love it. Drainage! It's a hell of a movie. We'll get there one day. <laughs> oh, the chatter's been all over the CB. That's Dominic Toretto's, Vin Diesel, outfit, right? And there's some gumshoe playing hot rod hopscotch with him. No fucking on the Vin? I'm, like, so nervous to just throw him out now after the Rob Cohen incident. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, Vin Groot Diesel. Yeah, uh, he is our Iron Giant, isn't he? Even though he just recently got in trouble, too. <laughs> Did he? I didn't hear about this. See, I need to visit more Wikipedia pages. Uh, no, no, you don't, because then you're going to get asked for donations. You're going to say, you got to earn donations. And then Wikipedia's just like, what the fuck do you mean I need to earn my donations? You come here constantly. Especially if you give them a donation one time, they're like, hey, you're one of the ones that gives. We're never getting rid of this banner. Once it gives. We got you once. Now you're on the hook. I'm Johnny Wales, and you need to give me money. It's like that I think you should leave sketch. You got to give. You got to give. <laughs> Bingo. A cop named Brian O'Connor, Paul Walker, Paul Groot Walker. Oh, boy. All right. <laughs> Cop named Brian O'Connor has been weaving through their exhaust, trying to sniff out the hijackers. Started by losing his wheels to Dom in a pink slip race, then worked off his debt by playing wrench jockey in Toretto's garage. So Paul Walker, Brian O'Connor in this thing, he drives a car in the Dodger Stadium parking lot. Sure does. The car spins and he acts like someone died. Instead of going for like another run or whatever, it's just like, fuck, it topped out. Gotta go home now. <laughs> no, I don't try again. I just go and get more NOS. But I do love the way he kind of suckers his way into this crew by going to get tuna sandwiches at this place called Toretto's, where Jordana uh, Brewster, I don't. I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> Listen, you don't have to give her the fucking for her acting prowess. 
You're just saying in general she needs the fucking? Because <laughs> that's I, not better. Those were not the words I said. <laughs> I wasn't sure what you meant with your I don't know. Yeah, I know you don't because I messaged you while I was watching this last night. <laughs> and me and you, I feel like they're like two rams horns locked on this one. Possibly. It's not. And I'm like using nostalgia glasses on this thing. And maybe that's the problem because oh, I, see, I think Jordana Brewster 2001 was it. Yes. And I think I'm also using nostalgia glasses on this thing because I think I'm coming at it from a 2001 perspective because now I think you might be right. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate you saying that. And I don't have to bring up her one eyebrow. This is perfect. <laughs> oh, no. She was distracting in this, man. Listen, there was a time for Jordana Brewster, and it was 2001. It sure was. She does a fine job acting. Yeah, That's not the she, part that she, bothered me. It's just, I feel like I'm let down as someone who saw this as a youth, a ute, and now. You can barely tell she had never driven a car before. You can barely tell. Her and Michelle Rodriguez is both. You them. can tell, but you can barely tell. That's very, very fair. This pixel up race, though. They go and they just meet on the street and they just race for pink slips. Because like, I don't have money, but I got $10,000 of work under this hood. It's yours if, if I win or if I, you win. Racing. Yeah. If you beat me, you get my car. I like how they put this here at the beginning of the movie because these are all like quarter mile cars. And these cars conservatively race 10 miles. <laughs> the fact that they're hitting like 150, 160 miles an hour and in still a quarter mile at that point. They're driving like when I was four years old and I finally got like a gear shift toy or whatever. I'm like, it's like a 96 gear <laughs> gearbox. Not to mention the fastest cars in the world cannot hit that speed in a quarter mile. We're legitimately talking about 10 second cars here. Yeah. And then they line up the cars along this drag strip, and it would have to be thousands deep <laughs> along this thing to make it work. You know, I hear there was enough NOS in Brian's car to blow him up, so maybe that's that's what it takes. Maybe Rob Cohen killed Paul Walker. You know what? I wouldn't put it past him. I would now. I know the guy's past. It's checkered. <laughs> He's got a checkered past. So he's been rubbing elbows and trading paint with him, huh? He managed to cozy up to Toretto's sister, Mia. That's Jordana Brewster. Sure did. Just took some smooth talking and a heavy foot, Big Bear. But it ain't all sunshine and octane. There's this snake in the grass, Johnny Tran. Rick fucking you. You better give it to him. He's so good. <laughs> he's so over the top, and I love every <laughs> second of it. And he's got a fuse shorter than a flat tire. What does that mean? The fuse is very <laughs> short. <laughs> It's shorter than a flat tire? Flat tires. It doesn't change short. The, the shortness of. I feel like the flattest tire I've ever seen is longer than a short fuse. <laughs> it's taller than the longest fuse I've ever seen. I'm like thinking about fuses here, unless you're like Bugs fucking Bunny or something like that. I mean, a fuse is a fuse is a fuse, like, right. right? You're not like running it through and making left turns at Albuquerque or whatever. <laughs> well. Unless you're Bugs Bunny. <laughs> Unless you are. But Johnny Tran does not have a fuse that goes all the way to Albuquerque. I reckon there's enough bad blood there to fuel a feud. But what's this I hear about a desert showdown? Ah, uh, you're talking about race wars, which is an interesting name for it. <laughs> it is. I could just imagine just a bunch of people with like red hats showing up like, this ain't what we signed up for. 
hold on. Wait, oh, oh, like NASCAR racing. I get it. Now we can't support them anymore. We were all about that Rainbow Warrior until Rainbow <laughs> suddenly got new meanings. <laughs> Boys, put away the tiki torches. It's not that kind of event. <laughs> Raise hell, praise Dale. Yeah, left turn. Go, keep going. Race Wars, a real gear-grinding gala. Toretto's crew was there, flexing their muscle, but one of their young guns, Jesse, played by Chad Lindbergh, rolled the dice on his ride and crapped out to Tran. Kid hit the road like he stole it, which, well, he kind of did. At that point, he did kind of did. <laughs> he did. Absolutely. He stole the car. But I think what's best about this part also is how you have Johnny Tran go talk to Toretto, and Toretto still is defending his boy, who is actively running away in the distance that we're seeing. Like No one else yeah. is trying to chase him. Johnny Tran's like, yeah, I'm powerful enough that you'll sort this shit out. Yeah, but also, you're a narc. Yeah, that's not a good thing to call people at a race wars. You can't call anybody at race wars a narc, because that's going to start a whole brawl. These boys are already so proud that you can't bring that up. <laughs> There are a lot of proud boys at the race war. It doesn't work. It, it really doesn't. No. And it's not even that they're using like hindsight 2020. It's like it didn't work then. It was definitely like they were hinting at something then too. So you had Tran and his crew. You had Hector and his crew. And then you had Dom and his mostly white crew. Speaking of Dom's crew, dagnabbit, that kid's rolling the dice with the devil. Is that when they tried the big rig heist and went sideways? Like a skater on black ice. They tried to boost a truckload of goods, but it turned into a real slobber knocker. O'Connor had to shed his sheep's wool to save Vince from becoming a bumper sticker. Vince got all tangled up on the wire that he shot into this truck. Because they're using grappling guns to rob 18-wheelers. And this truck driver does not give a shit that somebody just shot a grappling hook through his windshield. He doesn't care at all. He's the most straight-faced truck driver you ever expect to see who just got his windshield shot out. It reminds me a lot of Mad Max and Furiosa driving down, going to like get oil and whatnot. This truck driver's stopping for nothing. And he doesn't even have precious water in the back of his truck. He just has Panasonic DVD players. He's just got some Panasonic DVD players. I, I'm a, it seemed like a combination of DVD players, but also those little TVs that the have TVs the VCRs. Under, <laughs> yep. You got the VCR inside the TV, and that's... Oh, the good stuff. That's the technology I'm after in 2001. I just watched a video online that was the inside of a VCR and how it worked, and I must have watched it like 15 times in a row. That's fascinating. It was fascinating. And it was just because the casing was off, and I finally know now. I get it. I don't know, and I want to know. If you're a good boy, I'll send it to you. Okay. And then you can know, too. I'll do my best. And this is like the ideal time I could send you, like, meetspin.com or something. I would definitely fall for I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> so Vince gets tangled up on this truck. Out of nowhere, Brian and Mia come to save him, and then he jumps off, and they kind of save him, I guess. Do kinda, they? Yeah. Don't they? Uh, they they medevac him out of there. They do. And then he's just out of the movie now. <laughs> and he's not the last one to just be out of the movie. <laughs> this was never really a huge part of the movie. He was like the guy who knew the whole time that O'Connor was a cop, but nobody No, he him. didn't give a shit that O'Connor was a cop. He cared that he was trying to get Mia. 
Yeah, but he also correctly said this guy's a cop. Not wrong. Multiple uh, times. Yeah, yeah. All right. He's <laughs> got cop dar. I don't know. Vince was 100% right the entire movie. So Dominic, not listening to his friends, his family. That's right. what caused all the issues. O'Connor Blue is covered to rescue one of Toretto's crew? 10-4, Big Bear. Then the diesel really hit the fan. Tran and his posse went looking for payback. They did a drive-by on Toretto's house and took out poor Jesse. They didn't. I remember this scene, like, vividly. Because it was, like, one of the first making-of DVDs I, like, remember watching. <laughs> about how they did, like, Vin Diesel crawling across the yard. Because that's the most ideal way to avoid gunfire. Is yeah. to bear crawl your way across a front yard. Really slow yourself down so you can make yourself the a gunfire. bigger target. Because the biggest part of a Vin Diesel <laughs> is the torso, and he just shows yeah. it all. He's like, "This is the spot. And I'm going to move it real slow for you." And he just runs right to Jesse and catches Jesse as he gets blasted. That's yeah. not great for Jesse, obviously. But we're we're going to show just how much we give a shit about this character, Jesse, uh, momentarily, <laughs> because Dom is so upset about all of this that he needs to get revenge immediately. So where's O'Connor standing now? Straddling the double yellow, Big Bear. He took out <laughs> Tran and handed Don the keys to his ride, letting him peel out past the popo. It's a real soap opera on wheels. Last I heard, Dom's still out there. That is like the laziest way they could have done this. They skipped the entire scene of Brian and Dom chasing down Johnny Tran's guys, killing them on their yeah. motorcycles, and then just leaving those bodies there. So it, that's good, because now there's two bodies on the streets and one Jesse, also dead, <laughs> on the side, that no one's caring about. And I love how Brian gives the keys to the Supra to Dom after they're so upset about everything that's transpired, Dom's like, I got a race about it, I guess. <laughs> well, you just killed the guy that I wanted to kill for killing my guy. Now you know what we need to do? We got to race about it toward them train tracks, and surely nothing bad will happen. Those train tracks are a quarter mile away. Exactly. Ten second cars. <laughs> Ten second cars. Uh, Brian, I sent you a text early today. Uh, do you remember what that text said on it? I believe it said one minute, 35.89 seconds. Yep. That was me timing how long it takes them from go to get to the train tracks in 10 second cars, quarter mile style. <laughs> yeah, that's 10 seconds. It blows my mind how this movie's able to distort reality, and it still works. <laughs> Somehow you're like, wow, that was really fast the way they did that. It's amazing how they drag out 10 seconds to actually like make it tense. Yeah. They keep saying, like, this is a 10-second car. It's like, it is, I bet, but you're not a 10-second movie. This is a really fast car, and we're going to spend a lot of time in it in kind of slow motion. They do get kind of slow motion at the end when the train's about to come uh, hit them. Yeah. And they survived the train. And then Dom decides to just not look forward anymore. It's like, well, we got past the train. That's all that counts. That's <laughs> all that counts. Oops, I hit this truck. It does a whole big flippy. That's not what you want to do in cars. No, but it, luckily he landed on his wheels. That's something. That is something. But then Brian gives him the keys, and Dom's just like, Are you sure about this? And uh, Brian's <laughs> like, I owe you a 10 second car. And then Dom leaves <laughs> out of the movie. Along yeah. and just leaves Jesse dying on a sidewalk. Jesse's miles dying away. somewhere. <laughs> this guy, he's a cop, and he's just standing there like, Well, how do I explain my way out of this one? But luckily, he's a cop. So it shouldn't be too hard, but he's still going to have to deal with the dead bodies that are taking over yeah. this neighborhood. Listen, Tran fired at me, so I returned fire. Now he's not a problem. And uh, that Jesse kid, 
I don't know, maybe we sell his car to Frankie Muniz or something. <laughs> there you go. Frankie Muniz actually did buy that Jetta. After, did he? Gunshots and all? Movie was, yeah. That's great. I don't know about the gunshots. Out of all the cars in the movie, that's the one I would not buy. Right? <laughs> that's the last one. But, you know, if you're stuck in the middle. I guess you take what you can get and just try to keep both your ears. Life is unfair. It sure is. They're talking about a reboot. Are they really? Yeah, I'm pretty sure I read that. Unless it was is just a Cranston in? If Cranston's in for, I mean. That's the only way I, I'm That's the care. only way you could do it, I guess, is to get yeah. a Cranston. Because you really play with fire because there's a Masterson in that. Oh, that's true. <laughs> that is a toxic family. I forgot about that. That's wilder than a tornado in a trailer park. Keep your peepers peeled and your freight anchored down, rubber duck. Will do, Big Bear. Let's keep the shiny side up and the greasy side down. Catch you on the flip-flop. 10-4, rubber duck. Keep between the mayonnaise and the mustard. Over and out. The truckers continue their journey, the sound of their engines humming in the background as they stay alert for any signs of the Fast and the Furious crew on the road. All right, so the plot we barely talked about. Barely. So it's Dominic Toretto's crew. They steal trucks that have DVD players on it. And the FBI is like, it's June 22nd, 2001 when this movie comes out. Surely this is the worst thing that's going to happen this calendar year. This is what we need to put all of our focus into. There ain't nothing worse than some missing VCR TVs. The Paul Walker's the cop. He gets in with the crew as the undercover man, and he learns a whole lot, even though he's not that great of a cop. He's a pretty bad cop, and I think that's proven by the end of this movie. He's got to jump to conclusions, Matt. And then he's like, listen, I found DVD players at Johnny Tran's place. And then the FBI man's like, yeah, full raid, obviously. Send it, yeah. And then they blamed it (laughs) on him. He's like, but I want to be sure. And they're like, nope, you can't be sure. We're going in tomorrow. Yeah, I'm going to go with a four. (laughs) The cop falls in love with the bad guy's sister. And then he decides he's not going to be a cop anymore. Yeah, that sounds like a four. He is still a cop, but, like, he's just not going to go after the people who he's supposed to be going after for the entire movie. Also, they don't even really reveal that he's a cop until a third of the way into the movie. No, it's true. This is pretty much just point blank on wheels instead of surfboards. Yeah, that's exactly it. Four. Next up is casting. It's actually pretty good. It's it's pretty well done. <laughs> I can't complain. They talked to Eminem, Mark Wahlberg, and Christian Bale for the Brian part. Worst movie. And I think Paul Walker's the worst actor out of that entire bunch, but he's the one that fits perfectly here. Yeah, I think Christian Bale, you'd only have one Fast and the Furious movie. There wouldn't be any more after that. And probably same with Eminem. Mark Wahlberg, they would have got sick after two or three. Yeah, he would have milked the shit out of it if he could, though. <laughs> and they wanted Timothy Oliphant for Dom. Yeah, that is a weird one. That is very weird. Too many finger guns. So many finger guns. And then, of course, all of Hollywood in 2001 auditioned to be Mia. And they gave it to, of course. to Jordana Brewster. <laughs> She's fine in this movie. They wrote it for Eliza Dushku, and she was like, I'm good. Same as Timothy Olyphant. He was like, I just did a car movie last year. I'm good. And then they talked to Sarah Michelle Gellar, Jessica Biel, Kirsten Dunst, and Natalie Portman, and they went with Jordana Brewster. It's probably the right choice, actually, in this movie. Do you know that Dom is supposed to be 24 years old? No way. (laughs) Right? He doesn't look a day under 36. (laughs) Which is great, because Vin Diesel's 34 (laughs) when he filmed this. Oh, good for him, then. Man, that is weird. And I'm for it, I think. It works enough. 
I don't know. For, I, um, I think it did it's a still good really job. good casting. Seven. Seven. Um, can I give you? I've never done it in this category, I don't think, but I have a very interesting IMDb trivia fact. Yeah, go ahead, hit me. Rob Cohen's original casting choices were Mario Lopez as Dominic, Mark Paul Gosler as Brian. Oh, whoa. Hold up. Yeah. Because if this continues the way I think it's going to continue. It's going to. Oh, my God. <laughs> Mark Paul Gosler as Brian and Dustin Diamond as Jesse. However, studio execs feared that the reteaming of the Saved by the Bell co-stars would confuse audiences. I just want to live in a world where Saved by the Bell was Vin Diesel, Paul Walker, and Chad Lindbergh. That would be so good. And once again, uh, a studio getting in the way of a good thing. Imagine the spiritual sequel to Saved by the Bell is the Fast (laughs) and the the Furious Furious. franchise. (laughs) It wouldn't be a franchise. No. It'd be like, where's Mr. Belding? Maybe that's how they do it, is when Dom drives off, he goes and pulls up to the school. And it's like, oh, we did know it the whole time. All right. No one wanted to say it, but we all knew. We That's all knew. where it was going. Like, we were all like, is it? Could it be? Yup. <laughs> They're all a witness protection. <laughs> because of the things that Mr. Belding did. That's right. Mr. Belding did horrible, horrible things. And they testified against him and then had to go into witness protection. And that's the vicious circle of Bayside High. It absolutely is. What did I say? Seven? I stick with the seven. Seven. I'm, I'm down with seven. Protagonist. Brian. Gotta be Brian. Paul Walker's totally fine in this movie. He's not the best actor ever. Never, ever will be. No one has ever accused no him of being a good actor. We're running out of time now. He's serviceable. This this role feels correct for him. There's not a lot of heavy lifting. There's really not a lot at stake. Also, I'm confused about the arc because really from the beginning of the movie to the end of the movie, nothing changes except in the middle you find out he's a cop and then he he forgets. He cops, and he goes and does cop things, but I guess by sleeping with Jordana Brewster, he's like, I'm family now. I got to protect you, even though, I mean, what's the time span that this is all taking place in? That's a great question. There's a few tuna sandwiches, and then all of a sudden, he's like, oh, it turns out I'm a cop, and then he's like, actually, I don't care about being a cop anymore, and then it's over. A couple weeks? Four. <laughs> four. Going with a four. I-, I like a four. Four's good. Who is the antagonist in this movie? I think it's Vin Diesel. I was like, is it Dom? Is it Johnny Tran? Is it Vince? Is it just- I don't think it's Johnny Tran. I think Johnny Tran's more of a MacGuffin than anything. He is pretty MacGuffin-y. It's just speed, sweet, nasty speed. It's 10-second cars that we do in 90 seconds, man. <laughs> is it the fucking corpse? <laughs> uh, uh, I'm not quite sure the antagonist is, but there are some stakes, kind of. There's a lot of stakes for a lot of different people, but none of them ever seem to actually matter. No, they really, really Un- don't. Except for Jesse. Yeah, Jesse's mattered Jesse. hard. He gets super dead. I'm going to go three. Three? Yeah, because I, I think it's Dom. I think you're right, but like... It's weird. He kind of just... If that's the case, he just gets away at the end. Yeah, which is fine. Sometimes the antagonist wins. We've all seen Infinity War. That's right. Spoilers. Even though I'd probably consider Thanos the protagonist of that movie. Yeah, a lot of people would. So is Dom the protagonist? The secret protagonist the whole time? Yep, it's confusing. Three. Three. Screenplay. Written by Gary Scott Thompson, Eric Bergquist, and David fucking Ayer. David fucking Ayer. I'm giving him the fucking. He actually came out today, uh, the day we're recording this, and said that he would love a one-off funeral screening of the Ayer cut for Suicide Squad. 
funeral screening funeral screening one and done wow just so other people can see it i'm very curious he said it's good well of course he did yeah he made it he's a very cocksure man apparently he's over here like listen they fucked it up it's good i promise the screenplay's totally fine there's so many one-liners i don't know if it's because they're actually good one-liners or they just work in the spot that they're in they've become iconic because I don't know. We like to remember a time before 9-11. This is the the biggest cultural icon before that happened, so I guess that's what we go to. You can have any beer you want as long as it's a Corona. I'm happy you said that because Vincent Misafra, he said this is possibly one of the most quotable movies. He asked us what two of our most quotable movies are, and he also said you could drink any beer you want during this recording. As long as it's a Corona. As long as it's a Corona. That's appropriate. Corona did not pay for that. <laughs> they got it for free. Incredible. That's just Vin Diesel being Vin Diesel. The movie that I quote constantly is Walk Hard. Obviously. Walk Hard. Absolutely. <laughs> Somehow over time, I think I've quoted that movie even more than I used to. And I think the second one might be Step Brothers. I think John C. Riley is just an incredibly quotable man. John C. Riley's the most quotable man. Um, my second most is probably Die Hard, though. You do quote Die Hard a lot. Predator's got to be up there on your list. Predator is very high in the list. Oh, there you go. Get a Corona, and there's a couple movies with some quotes in them. Enjoy. Where are we? Still screenplay. Six. Six. They literally turned fair. Diesel into eventually gold, weirdly. Somehow, against all odds. Style and tone. It's got to be through the roof on this one. As I'm watching this, this felt early 2000s. It felt so early. I don't remember this movie being so orange. It's an incredibly orange movie. It's like somebody filmed this thing. They're like, no, slap sepia on it. And then yeah, it's so strange, that touch they put on it. I was like, this movie feels like the wrong color. Is this what the 2000s looked like? I don't remember this. Yeah, they were orange. Nickelodeon had a really big stranglehold going into the new (laughs) millennium. I read that filmmakers asked owners of the houses in the background to repaint their houses with more muted colors so the cars would look more colorful. They shouldn't have to do more work to make your douche mobiles look decent. Just turn on the lights underneath and then nobody will be looking at the houses in the background. I kind of want to go with an eight. This movie's a bit of a time machine. It really is. And I don't know if that like affects the style and the tone of it, or if it's just going back in the past to it. I mean, you can't just say, like, oh, yeah, Casablanca is a real good movie. It reminds me a lot of the 1940s. <laughs> it looks so much <laughs> like the 40s. All right, it was, it was a bit much, wasn't it? <laughs> I don't know, though, because it definitely has a style and a tone. It's just very indicative of a pre-9-11, I don't know. When there was joy still in the world. People were like, yeah, (laughs) they're stealing our DVD players. Go get them. That's what the FBI is worried about. Simpler times. Yeah, I'm going to go down to a six. Simpler, oranger times. That's right. Bring back. Nope. Almost hurt myself. Uh, Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Director. We're on director. Uh, Rob Cohen. Real bad man. Yeah. I gave him a fucking earlier. And the fucking was because he launched a franchise that has now grossed over $7 billion in theaters. Which is insane to me. But he's a real bad man. But for this movie, I'm going right down the middle. It's a big old five. Five. I think that's that's accurate. That's as much as I'm comfortable giving him. Next up is music. This is the one I'm most excited for. 
Uh, the soundtrack is insane. It's bonkers. I went on Wikipedia and I looked at who did the, the music for this movie, and it just said BT. It was apparently some sort of electronic musician from the time. There's a lot of Ja Rule. Like, I'm looking at the soundtrack now. There's one, two, three, four, five. <laughs> five Ja Rule songs on this thing. One R. Kelly song. Oops. One Limp Biscuit song. It is rolling. It is the Urban Assault vehicle mix. Which is funny because that's not the version that's in the movie. No, no, it's not. It's the Air Raid Assault version is the one that's in the movie. Right. So there's actually a second soundtrack called More Fast and Furious that has more Limp Biscuit on it. <laughs> oh my God. Because this movie. It's not a bad thing. This movie was like, you know what? We're going to do a hip hop and rap version of the the soundtrack. And then we're going to do an alt post grunge new metal version of the soundtrack. So they basically did what Linkin Park did. Oh, yeah. Them too. Yeah. All right. It's like, so you want to be a rap superstar or a rock superstar? What's it going to be? Why not both? I think it's funny that they wanted Eminem in this movie. And then they're like, all right, Jaw Rule. Knock off Eminem, Ja Rule. Never, never had to settle more. Never. It's pretty good. All the music fits. It's it a, does. Even though they only, pay, they only play iTunes sample length of it. Yeah, they every do. Song. It's like, here's five seconds of this song. And now we're going to go into Rollin'. I'm pretty comfortable going with a six. And I'm debating bumping it higher just because I've seen this so many times that it was almost nice to hear these songs again. Yeah, uh, apparently the first soundtrack went platinum and peaked at number seven in the Billboard 200. Damn! All right. It also won a Stinker Award for Most Intrusive Musical Score. Yeah, I could buy that one, too. None of it was appropriate, and that's pretty important in filmmaking. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Five again. Five. Right down that middle. The next category is the box office. Uh, Buku bucks. This movie only cost only $38 million to make, which is a respectable amount of money it made more than that opening weekend sure i contributed to it i see my dollars it opened at 40 million dollars number one over dr doolittle 2 and the tomb raider movie atlantis shrek swordfish pearl harbor moulin rouge evolution and the animal what a time to be alive <laughs> all the things that you just said were insane <laughs> this movie ended up making 207 million dollars which is 546 percent return on investment that's obviously a 10. it's how you make a franchise it's absolutely Makes perfect sense why this thing has so much going for it after this movie yeah and the final category is impact on the industry it's a 10. it's absolutely it has to be a 10. this silly little movie about stealing dvd players and street racing <laughs> has launched one of the biggest movie franchises that there is. And it keeps Vin Diesel employed. So it, you know, we, it does. we love that, I guess. That's good for him that he has a steady paycheck. I'm like a little scared about how this one's going to shake out because uh, one of these numbers is on the lower end and one of them is on the higher end. Well, it's very easy to fall in between those then. That is fair. Hit me. How did it do? The total score for The Fast and the Furious is 60. Yeah, right in the middle. All right, that's fine. <laughs> Critically, this movie scored a 54% on Rotten Tomatoes, and audiencely, it did 74%, which oh, is we nailed it. pretty damn appropriate, I'd say. It's a great little movie. I, I always like going back to it. I expected the audience score to be higher, um, and I don't know why. <laughs> you know what? It's because it created a weird culture that I hate. 
It embraced a weird culture and elevated it to the mainstream, which I hate even more. It didn't, though, because it's one of those things where after this movie came out, I have people coming up to me talking about their Volkswagen Jettas that they're like, look, put air in the tires. Things going to fucking fly now. It's like, no, <laughs> we live in the suburbs, man. This is not how it works. I put a couple stickers on there. Now it's got 10 more horsepower. This is your mom's old lease. This is nothing. She used to just go back and forth. This is nothing. I don't care. Look at all the cool shit I put inside my Civic. Hey, hey, listen. I play a lot of Gran Turismo. First thing you do, upgrade that CPU. Knocks up the horsepower a ton without cost a lot of money. Everyone knows this. <laughs> you know who loved this movie? AutoZone, the Pet Boys. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Started selling a lot of trees that smell good. Uh, this movie is very much a time machine. I'm very happy we got to go back to it. This was my pick, Brian, which means next week. Next week. It's your pick, so why don't you beer us all a movie? Well, I like that we're doing this thing where now we have a franchise that whenever we're feeling a little froggy, we can just dip our toes into it and be like, oh, okay, there's <laughs> Go a ton back more the of these movies. Back to the well. It's like, oh, I don't know what I want to talk about next week. We can talk about another Fast and the Furious movie. We're not, because I want to do the same thing with another franchise that I think we've been putting off for a while you're opening new doors when i just opened a new door yeah we're gonna have multiple open doors because next week we're going back five more years and we're talking about mission impossible that is an even more insane franchise <laughs> to dive into yeah because it just like fast and the furious completely shifts and goes completely batshit crazy and it has the added benefit of having a tom cruise I have not seen that one in a long time. It's Brian De Palma flick, so I'm kind of curious to yeah. have a rewatch of it. That is a fantastic pick. Oh, thank you. Me and Brian don't talk about our picks before we say them live. That's kind of the whole show, isn't it? Uh, so this is actually <laughs> is. ridiculously exciting. I have it on Blu-ray, Mission Impossible. I have not watched it still. The first one, I like bought it years ago because it was on sale, and then I went, eh. That's what I'll get to eventually. And I still haven't. I've seen it long, long ago. but A very, very long time ago I saw it. This is exciting. Next week, Mission Impossible. Until then, thank you for listening. Be sure to rate, review, subscribe. Send us your movie suggestions for this month's listener pick. It's in uh, two weeks, so you got to get them in now. Our patrons, of course, always get double the picks, so join us on Patreon. This month we are talking about the Garbage Pail Kids movie. <laughs> we sure are. Which was our warm-up to our, our Drunken Santa Claus episode last month. So if you want to find out how we got to the condition we were in in that one, join us on Patreon for another crappy hour. People said we weren't drunk enough, and it's like, compared to last year, good. Listen, I wanted to survive. I still fell asleep on my basement couch. Yeah, I did not make it to my bed, so. You tried talking about Tim Allen at length, sober, and then really drunk. It's tough. You think we're making Tim Allen noises, and no, that is just noises escaping our drunk bodies. <laughs> That's just the way I talk now, because my words are slurring. Ooh? <laughs> uh? <laughs> so email us your movie pics or send them to us on our, our social media. Follow us on our social media. We're on all the ones that matter, the ones that are worth being on, like Instagram and Facebook. Especially Facebook, we always put up a post on our recording day asking for your questions and comments. As you can imagine, people wrote in for this one. <laughs> I imagine they did. Mike Lanham, he said, when this movie came out, it was quite the era. Radical rides were the thing for the wealthy. Pimp My Ride then got big. If you could install TVs in your headrest, what video game system are you running? 
first game you're firing up could be retro, modern. It's up to you. Yo, dog. I heard you like Sonic the Hedgehog, so I installed a Sega Genesis in your 89 Honda Accord with the flip-up headlights. Oh, wow. Sexy. Yeah, this is a good-ass <laughs> car. No, I would, probably, I would probably go retro. I'd put a Sega Genesis in that bitch. I would probably go retro, too. And my first thought is I'm going to throw an SNES in there, and it's going to have NBA Jam and nothing else. I love that. And I want the lights to like light up on the side of this thing and it loses its mind, like it goes around like he's on fire. Yeah. One of those types of things while you're sitting in the back of my old high school 92 Mercury Topaz. <laughs> nice. It wasn't. It had an electronic seatbelt. <laughs> those things could choke you real good. They could, or they could make you miss a shot like in Tommy Boy or Rob Lowe. He got got by one of those. Yeah. Are you ready for a controversial question? Yes, absolutely. Christian Bard wrote in, he said, we know that the tuna is crappy, but what is the best sandwich? I don't think my answer is going to be the most popular one, but. No, this is setting us up for failure. If this were Mad Max for your road, that's bait. There's never been a time I've looked at a menu and seen a Reuben and thought, no, I don't want that. I completely agree. 1000%. If there's a Reuben on that menu, there's going to be a Reuben in my mouth. Probably getting it. I was torn between Reuben and a Fat Daryl. Fat Daryl makes me real happy. Man, I forgot all about fat sandwiches. I'm sticking with the Reuben, though. And the last question that we have, another food-based question. I don't know why Fast and the Furious is making this a food-based episode all of a sudden. It's from our buddy Micah. He asks, if you were going to have a cookout with your family, he capitalized family, as you should. Naturally. And ordered pizza. Firstly, you're doing a cookout wrong there, Micah. That's not a cookout. That's a pizza party. He said, where would it be from and why would it not be Domino's? <laughs> I feel like he's looking for a chain pizza restaurant. And I. Well, he's a Papa John's guy, isn't he? Maybe he that's why he shits on Domino's so much. He's a big fan of, of the Papa. Um, most likely, it's not going to be a chain. It's going to be some local place. And it's going to vary depending on where I am, obviously. But it's definitely going to be like a local mom and pop pizza place because it's always better 100 percent. and based on where i am in the country in yeah. the good old nutmeg state of connecticut yeah it's gonna have an a before pizza That's for true. sure go to new haven i'll crawl around on my hands and knees to get all that pizza i've done a pizza crawl in new haven and there's not a better way to spend your time nope there is not everybody thank you so much for your questions thank you for listening thank you for hanging out with us brian do you have anything else that's it for me. Fantastic. We're going to see everybody next week for Mission Impossible. We'll see you then. <laughs>